0: was a young couple in 2008, a Chabad young couple, who went to open a Chabad house in Bosman, Montana. They tried to get pregnant, a year passed, a year and a half, two years. They went to doctors and they discovered, the doctor told them that point blank, you will never have biological children. Some problem, I don't know what, doesn't make a difference. They will never have children. They were very depressed, obviously. She comes from a family of nine. He comes from a larger family. They were planning all their life to have children, to have a family. And she said some days she didn't want to get out of bed. She was depressed and sad. One day, a father calls them with a Chabad rabbi in Texas and tells them, you know, there are children in the world who need a home, who need parents, loving parents. Think about adopting, adoption. Think about adopting a child. You Knowing the Chabad community, the religious community in general, adoption is not such a common thing. They heard them saying it, but they didn't really internalize it. A short time later, the rabbi was at the convention of the Chabad rabbis in New York, the international convention of all rabbis. And they showed a video from the rabbi how oh, you see a woman comes to the rabbi and asks for a blessing for children. And the rabbi told her, maybe you he should think about adoption. And she saw the rabbi, when he, when, this, when he saw this video, he felt it's a message for him too. He should think about adoption. And he decided to go for it. Calls his wife, we are going to this pet, we're going to look for kids to adopt. Started to tell his friends, family, to learn more about that, what it takes to adapt. And he was ready to do it. He gets a phone call from a Chabad rabbi in Russia who tells him we have a girl in our community who had a child, a single mother, a child the child that had medical issues, a lot of medical issues, and she f- took him to America, to New Jersey, to ask the doctor for a second opinion. While she was in New Jersey, she came to the realization, she has no support. She has no family. She will not be able to raise this child with these medical issues, challenges. She will not be able to do it. She's ready to give him up for adoption. And the rabbi from Russia with his friend asked him, are you ready to do it? He said, yes, right away, he said, yes. They flew to New Jersey, they came into the hospital, and then they discovered that the bureaucracy of adopting a child in this way is very complicated because when you adopt a child from overseas, there is a procedure, everything is, is a set in stone. This child lives in Russia, how you, you apply for a visa and what you do, the whole year, because the child was already in America on a medical visa and you try now to adopt him to make him into an American, it confused the bureaucrats. I mean, it was very, very complicated. Well, they will manage to accomplish it? She said this. The wife of the rabbi, the shlucha. She said when she was get she got the baby the first minute in Iran. All the stress and all the pressure that she had from all this time from not having children disappeared and melted in one moment. You see, before that. People were afraid. People felt bad for them. They were afraid to tell them when somebody is pregnant. You didn't want to break the news. When you're breaking the news that you're that you pregnant and they cannot have children, then, you, then the best friend didn't tell them that. Family. Then they heard it from another person. That they got even more insulted. Why didn't you share the news with me? People didn't know what to do. People gave them wishes. Oh, may Hashem help you should have children. They became the Rachmonis case. Everybody feels bad for them. They are not a couple who likes to uh, to be the pity, pity couple. They don't like this, everybody feels bad for them. And this was very hard on them. Now, she said, the moment she had the baby in Iran, she felt like she gave birth to this baby. She connected immediately with this child. They let the community in Montana know that they, have, that they adopted a child by the time they came back home to Bosman, Montana, the house was full of gifts. Everything that a baby can dream of, from a bassinet to everything else, everything they needed, the community were, was so excited about the good news that they got for them, everything. Six months later, now a month later, it was the convention of the, of the Chabad women. You know, there is a convention for Chabad rabbis once a year and then there's a convention for Chabad women. The rabbis don't like that there is a convention for the women because it means they have to be stuck with the, with the children at home. It's a trauma for the father. It's a trauma for the children. From my own experience, I'm telling you, it's not, a, it's not the best weekend in my life that I remember. But uh, now, thank God, my kids grow up. Now my children, have to struggle with these problems. And do, there was a women's convention and they asked her if she is ready to speak about her adoption at the convention, because there is many other couples who deal with fertility problems. And it would be nice to know how to do, uh, what to do. There is, this is also a solution. She was ready to speak, she spoke there and it was an unbelievable success. Many people came over with questions and became and in one minute, she got a network of 5,000 couples all over the world who know that she wants to adopt a child, other children. And a few months after the convention, she, got some, she gets a phone call. It was six months after they adopted the first baby. It was a rabbi from New Jersey. Well, a girl in our community is pregnant. She's looking to give up her child for adoption. Are you interested? It was right away six months later. Some people told her, told them so fast. Well, they said, you know, in the, in the religious communities, we don't plan families. We don't plan everything. A child is coming, we take him. And they told them the child will be born after the holidays. After the Sukkot and St. that was the time. It was supposed to be born two weeks after the holidays. For Sukkot, they went to your parents in Texas. Shmini Yatzeres, they get a the fax. Holy day that we're going to celebrate Shabbos, The baby was born. The lawyer writes, if you want the baby, you have to come right away. If not, you have to give it over to so they give it over to over to social services. It will be all more complicated. It's a holiday. They cannot go anywhere. They cannot do anything. In top of it, it was a three-day holiday. It means Shmini Yatzeres was. Thursday, Simchastorah was Friday, then it's Shabbos. Until Sunday, they cannot make it to New Jersey. With the help of non-Jewish neighbors and calling and making, they made the other non jews made the phone calls and this. They were able to delay it. His brother from New York rushed to the hospital Saturday night, picked up the baby, and he met them, the couple, Rabbi and Mrs. Brook, a couple on the parking lot of a Rent-A-Car Enterprise, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, and gave them the baby in the parking lot. They say, how many people get their baby in the middle of a parking lot outside? That was the second child. Every child they say was a miracle. But well, they wanted to have a family, not just a child or two children. Now, both of them come from a large families. they want a family. A few years passed, one day he was in Montreal for a family gathering, Simcha. He calls his wife, the rabbi calls his wife and he tells her, I met somebody in New York. He told me that there is a girl, a Jewish girl in New York who is pregnant. She wants to give up her child for adoption. And then he adds to his wife, the child is biracial. What do you think about it? She grew up in Texas, she she saw no problem in it. And we did, why not? He's a Jewish child. I don't care what color he is. I'll take him, I'll love him, absolutely. He grew up in Kalonites, He grew up with the tension between the two communities, the Jewish community, the Hasidic community, and the African American community. He knew how hard it is going to be for a child who is not the same color of everybody else to grow up in a Hasidic community. He was hesitating. He didn't know if it's the right thing to do. Not for himself, for the child. But well, they talked and talked and talked and they decided to go for it. The child was born. Eight days later, he had a breeze. They named him Menachem Mendel after the rabbi. That was the third child but they were on the quest of having a family. Not long after that, a woman approached them and told them that she's, having, she's pregnant and she wants to give up, a woman from Montana, I think, and she wants to give up the child for adoption. I don't know from where the woman was, I don't know. He didn't, didn't say that, from where she was. And by law, you're not allowed to pay for a person to give you the child but you're allowed to pay all expenses, medical expenses, expenses, life expenses, whatever it is. And that's what they did. They supported her, they, they pay her expenses, they took care of her, everything. One day they gave them a message that she was involved in a car accident and she lost the baby. They were devastated. It was like they were waiting for the baby, for their own baby, and suddenly they lost the baby. A short time later they learned that his girl was never pregnant. She took him for a ride. Right. She lied. She took the money. The whole thing never existed. It happens too when you try to do things. You try so hard. That's a part of life. Sometimes it happens too. Time passed. They ever, a, a summer camp. They had a summer camp in, in like every Chabad rabbi, many, like many, many Jewish organizations do a summer camp. You get a phone call from a grandmother. She has a granddaughter. Your mother died. The father cannot be a father. He cannot handle, take care of his child. Can you take her for the camp? And what she, she said, we don't have overnight camp. But you don't have, she can come and go. No, she doesn't have to leave. When you take her in the time for the camp, you'll keep her in your house. They agreed. They took her for the few weeks of the camp. They brought her home. She was a part of the family. She enjoyed it. They took care of her. She had a lot of issues. After camp was over, she went back home to her father. A while later, the grandmother calls back and says, the girl wants you should adopt her. They heard already about the rabbis adopting children. Now it's taking a girl who is 12 years old not a baby that you adopt and it's like your child. It's 12 years old with your own issues of losing your mother. It was a tragedy there. And and it's like changing the whole dynamic in the house. Or they have to ask the other children who are already older if they want somebody who's older than them or not. Long story short, they adopted this this in this girl too. And then the last one, the five children, the last one was better than all. It was once in the post office. And a lady stands online and tells him, Rabbi, my daughter is pregnant. She wants to give up her child for adoption. I know you're adopting children. Maybe you know somebody wants to adopt to adopt another child. He tells her, actually, I want to adopt another child. Says, Yeah, I hope you will. She tells him, I hope you will say you will give me this answer. How many of you get the get child in the mail. In the post office, he got his fifth, fifth child. Although the interesting he says, you know, there is always the, disc, the discussion about nurture and nature. What is stronger? Genes or the how you bring, bring up and up? Education, the, the role models of your parents or who you are? And he says, Gene's a big, big, a big play. genes is a big part in, in, a ch- in a child's personality. He says there is, he has, five children with different sets of genes, and they bring with them their issues and the challenges, and all of this comes with them, whatever the parents did. And whatever the parents' personalities are, it comes with the children. It, it's a part of life. And he has to deal with, different, with five different personalities. He tries to mold them by nurturing them into one big family, one unit with love and care, but it's a much more challenging job. Body says, he feels that the love that he has to his children is greater than a biological parent. He, they argue that biological parents, they love the children because it's their children, what are you going to do? Because they gave birth to them. Here, it's a completely a love that's dependent on nothing. Just a pure choice because he loves the child and he raises him. He says the love is unlimited, it's not dependent on anything. More than everything, what he says here, every child is a blessing. Every child is a separate blessing to himself. A miracle, not just a blessing. You know, Shmini Atzeres is the day we're going to start to pray for him. In the summer, we mentioned in the Amida service, the one who gives dew, God gives us dew. In the winter, he gives us rain. We pray for rain. And the Rebbe mentioned quite a few times, what's the difference in dew and rain? Dew is natural. Just like the sun rises every day, the dew comes every day. If you deserve it, if you don't deserve it, not dependent on on people. Rain is a whole different story. Some years, some places have more rain, others have less. Some years, there is more rain, other other years, it's a drought. It's all, you never know what's going to happen. It's more like a miracle between nature and a miracle. Do is more representing the natural cycle of things. Rain represents more a miracle. Many people think that children is like do, natural. I have a child, I get married, I have a child. The truth is it's like rain. Some people can have children, others can. Some people it's easier, some people, other people it's out, it's, it's out there. It's different, it's like rain. It's, you have to pray for it. And you on Shemini Yatzeres, we start to pray for rain. But it's something very interesting that not too many people realize. On Shemini Yatzeres, we, we make a statement, Mashiva Ruach UMorid Geshem, God is the one who, who is bring, bringing down rain? We do not pray for him. In Israel, they start to pray for him two weeks later, after Shemini Tzeres, in another blessing in the Amidah during the week, we say the ten talu matali bring dew and rain for a blessing. But on Shemini Tzeres, we begin in the beginning of the Amida, we just make a statement God is the one who gives us rain. We are not asking for rain. We are mentioning rain in the language of the Talmud. We are recognizing that God gives us rain. In the diaspora, actually, we don't ask for rain until December 5th. Only then, right before the winter season, then we start to ask for rain. And it's a little strange. If you need rain from Shmini at ask for rain. If you not need rain, why are you mentioning rain? What is this business of making the statement for two months here in Cleveland, here, anywhere in the uh-huh. Then in December 5th, said, oh God, please give us rain. And the Talmud says something amazing. I read it from the Rebbe, but he bought it from the Talmud. Talmud says, before you come to ask from somebody something, you first have to recognize that he's the one who can give it to you. You know, some people pretend they don't know you. They don't even know your name. They never say hello to you. Then, when they need your help, suddenly they show up. They know your name. They know what you do. They know Excel. Really? And they ask you right can you do this for me? I thought you don't even know me. And the right way is to first, it's not proper behavior. It's not polite to right way to come to asking and ask for it. Give me rain you first start to recognize that God is the one who gives us rain. And then you start to pray for Him. It's to ask from God, to should give us rain. There is the one who is in charge of the rain. And then after you recognize for a while, then you come and you say, please, can you give us rain? And that's what, God, that's what the Talmud is teaching us how to pray to ask for rain. We are all now in a pandemic that drives the whole world crazy. And it came to Cleveland we have more and more cases, nothing serious, nothing um, bad. What? You're here and you're there from this person, from the other, not from close people, but you hear it. And we ask from God to, we want to, to take away this pandemic from us. The way to do it is to show also goodwill. Come to us, don't come, give me rain, I need it. What is this? How we show goodwill to God, tell God, I will also start to do a little mitzvah, a little something to get to my Jewish life. I'll do something for, for another person and you do something for me. It's kind of, I do something for God and God, God will do something for me. If it's a mitzvah between man and man or a mitzvah between man and God, a ritual, uh, kindness, something. But more than that, the most important thing is, just like by rain, we have to recognize and internalize that God is the one who gives the rain. We have to internalize that God is the one who gives who is controlling the world, he is the master of the universe, master of the world, as we say in many prayers. The pandemic is controlling it, He bought it, he is making it, and when we will feel that everything that happened is the will of God, then we can come to God and tell God God. can you please do us a favor? maybe you you, you, you find other ways to make Make, make life to accomplish your, your wishes and your will out the world should, a, should walk, but in a, in a good way, in a way of good, that kind of good that we can appreciate, in a revealed good that we can appreciate it too. That's what we're wishing, and that's what we'll try to pray at Shmini Aceres, Simchas Torah, in God willing, we start the year after Simchas Torah, the holidays will be over and we'll have a good and a blessed year. Thank you.